listening to Belt of Truth. Conversations, Arming Laity, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement. Visit our website at armingmen.com. This is Father Mark Gertner of the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. I'm so happy to be here and to support the Belt of Truth podcast. I hope that this podcast always serves as a strengthening of faith for all who listen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to open our ears, our minds, our hearts for all the gifts that you wish to give us in this time set aside to learn from you, to be reminded that we exist entirely for the praise of your glory. Bless all who will listen to this podcast, those who will share it and invite other people into it, that you might be praised as you deserve. We ask this in your holy name, Jesus the Lord. Amen. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Belt of Truth. I'm Rob Gregory. I'm here with my brother, Tony Moore. How you doing? Good, man. Awesome. So, Tony, dude, I heard you tell a story, and it, and it got me. Somebody told you to get in the truck. Yeah. What the heck is that all about? <laughs> yeah. Um, leading up to that moment, I, I would have to say I was a fallen away Catholic. Cared really nothing for the faith. It's pretty self-focused. I was a military veteran, the sports guy, you know, just kind of a guy's guy being kind of doing my thing on the weekend and hanging out, just really just focused on self. And I, I struck up a, a relationship with uh, my friend in uh, in college and we talked about literally everything. I mean, there nothing was off the table. And uh, one day we're sitting in the cafe over there at St. Francis and uh, he just brings this question on me and he's like, well, so how's your faith life? And I'm like, nah, dude. He's like, what? That's where you draw the line? The faith life? That's where you're... And this is... He was a faithful guy. I mean, I didn't know this and you wouldn't ever imagine this, but he wore his faith on his sleeve. And so for him to ask me that, number one, I was like, wow. Um, I don't know, dude. He's like, all right, man, get in the truck. And I'm like, listen, nobody tells me what to do. <laughs> I'm a Marine veteran. I'm a football player. Dude, you don't tell me what to do. And he says, just get in the truck, man. And I was like, this one time, I'm going to let that slide. Let's go. <laughs> and he didn't tell me where we're going. He, We just get in the truck. We start talking about all the normal things that are comfortable for men to talk about. And um, so we're, we're traveling across town cross town down state street. And he's like, I'm like, where are we going? He's like, you'll know when we get there. And we come to uh state and Randalia. And if anybody's familiar with the area, um, that's St. Jude's and we pull in the parking lot and I start to go, Oh man, what I get myself into. And we pull in, I'm thinking we're going to the church. You know, that's pretty regular thing for a Catholic Catholic dude falling away. Yeah, I can go into a church, but no, we take a left and we go to the uh, Perpetual Adoration Chapel. And I hate to say this, I was brought up Catholic. I have great parents who are in the faith and I just never knew what Perpetual Adoration was. So we pull up, puts it in park and he looks at me and just kind of wait. I'm like, well, what are we doing, man? And he's like, I don't know what you're going to do, but we're going to go in here. I'm going to say the rosary on my knees. And then we're going to sit there for 15 minutes and be quiet. And I was like, sounds pretty easy. Like, All right. So I'm always, I'm always ready to get into the, get into the trenches. So we go in there and we, we sit, sit in the same pew right next to each other. And he kneels down and he whips out his rosary. And I'm like, dude, he's got a rosary on him. Man, 
All right, so things are starting to hit me, and I'm sitting there, and for the first five minutes, I'm crawling in my skin. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And about five minutes in, this sense of peace, this sense of peace falls over me that I was like a child again. And the only way I can like really capture it is I went to a day camp when I was like eight years old and my mom was a little late on the last day picking me up and I would, I was so ready to be home. I was so homesick and I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here anymore. She's not coming. She forgot me. I'm all alone. I'm isolated. People are starting to leave. They're with their parents. I'm like, man, I just wish my, wish my mom would come. And she's only like 15 minutes late, but when you're eight years old, that's like an eternity. So, and she pulls in and the relief and the peace that I felt when she pulled in is only a fraction of what I felt in that chapel. And so we sit there and this half hour isn't long enough. Like I'm sitting there and I'm, my eyes are closed and I'm comfortable and I'm at peace and there, everything is right. And I don't want to leave. And he's like, you ready? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine, I guess. But I didn't, truth be told, I didn't want to leave that forever. I knew it was way down for me in the world. And I was like, no, I don't want to go back. So we get in the truck and I'm kind of quiet. And I'm just staring like, like I just got hit with a two by four. And he's like, what'd you think? And I'm like, dude, that was amazing. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. And to this day, like getting the truck is, is what it's all about. It's that first step to like, first of, first of all, you have to be in a relationship with somebody for them to tell you that. And if anybody else would have told me to get in the truck, man, nah. Um, so he, he was just raw with me, real and authentic. And we went in there and he introduced me to something that I'd never known before, but it was like coming home. What did that do for you afterwards? I mean, obviously it shook you a little bit when you were there. Talk about the journey after. A long one that continues to this day. What it did for me is is uh, it planted a seed because after that, about a year after that, I want to say I was either a sophomore or junior, a year after that, two years after that, I was introduced to my now wife, then girlfriend, and then... Um, my senior year, we got pregnant outside of wedlock and everything. We, we found ourselves pregnant. And of course, about 10 months later, just after I graduated, about a month after graduation, we had our daughter, our, our oldest daughter. And we brought my daughter home from the hospital. And I can't really describe it. Anybody who's had one can't really describe it. But I had a Jesus moment that was so unbelievably real. Um, and the only way I can describe it to people is I was on eagle's wings and I relived my whole life. Every teaching that I've ever been taught, I relived my whole life in that moment. And it felt a lot like that moment in the chapel when that peace fell over me and that love and that mercy, like you can't, you can't grasp it. You can't hold on to it, but you know, you don't ever want to leave it again. And you want it in your life forever. So between a lot of different things, I mean, the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit works, as you know, he will layer upon layer upon layer of purpose and meaning and and things like that. He started putting questions in my mind of like, well, what? okay, I don't like this relativism thing. I don't like this 
my truth is your, my truth and your truth is your truth. I'm like, no, the truth is the truth. But again, I'm not in the faith. I don't know how to describe that. I just know in my heart that, you know, killing babies is bad. You know, that was the big, first big argument I had with a professor at St. Francis. I knew that was bad, but I couldn't really describe that. So the search for truth, true, authentic, just real truth, something you can hold on to. People telling me things about the Iraq war that I knew weren't true because I was there. They were not, but there was true for them. I mean, like true. So I started reading and I started researching. I had this experience with the chapel and my friend. And then I had this experience that I cannot describe with my daughter coming home and true love. That was the only thing I could describe it as like if, if love was easy or love was just a good feeling, there'd be a line to the cross. And as we know, there was only two people left in his whole life at the end. That was Mary and some others, of course, but Mary and John. So that, that struck home. I knew Jesus was real. I, I knew I had to get closer to him. And so we started, me and my wife started going back to church and we kind of church hopped. We did the non-denominationals. We did the other, we did the other churches and there was just something missing. I couldn't describe it. And my dad comes into the picture and he says, Hey, um, this weekend we're going to rekindle the fire. And I'm like, I don't know. What, I don't, I'm not going, man. I knew I was going to be hung over. I knew I was going to have all these obstacles. And I was like, dad, I don't want to go. He's like, I already bought the ticket. You just need to get in the truck. And I said, fine. And we showed up at South Bend, rekindle a fire. And there was a thousand men in this room and they were on fire, on fire for God. I I didn't know you could be authentic. I didn't know you could be a man and be faithful. It was effeminate to me. It was weak. But I learned that day that, that that's not the case. So kicking and screaming, if I must say so myself, kicking and screaming, no one wants to admit, no 24-year-old, five-year-old guy wants to admit that his parents were right his whole life, you know? So I came back to the Catholic faith. I did my first confession in, in uh, 12 or 13 years. Shout out to Father Jacob Meyer. Uh, he really pushed me through that one real quick. Uh, it could have been painful, but he said, you know, be bold, be brief, be gone. Uh, stick to the main ones and keep in mind this is a medicine. We're going to have to take it over a long period of time. So uh, shout out to him um, for, for dragging me through that first one. It was pretty awesome. Awful, but awesome at the same time. I had my first Eucharist in a state of grace in years. That lit the fire. That lit the fire. I was, a, I was a new person. It was my faith now. And it was a real relationship with a real person. That's incredible. The, the two witnesses between your friend in college and then your dad telling you to get in the truck, call to action, grabbing you by your bootstraps and, and dragging you there. But as I've gotten to know you, uh, the, the spirit was kind of cracking you open, buddy. It wasn't done with you yet. No. I mean, so you're in your 20s and you, you've, you've got a new found love of your faith, which is awesome. You've got a young family and, uh, doesn't sound like you were fully there yet though, right? No. You had some more work to be done? Oh, still a whole lifetime of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, wh- where did you go from there? What, I mean, before we've had a guest call it the wilderness, we go into the wilderness, uh, uh, you know, we, we go down these rabbit holes of society and culture and we get, we buy into the lie. I think we've all been there, right? We've all been there. So, um, 
you know, I, I've shared with plenty of people recently that it wasn't until I decided to go to daily mass and quit drinking a year and a half ago that my family has fully embraced the fact that I've reclaimed my baptismal priestly authority of my home. Yeah. Walk us through your journey from your mid twenties, two times you've been told to get in the truck. <laughs> Where do you go from here? Oh man, I can, well, I don't think we have enough time. So what I'll say is this, I couldn't get enough knowledge of my faith. My radio was locked on Redeemer, locked on Catholic radio. I started reading. So it was the the obstacles for me to come back to the faith, very easy, right? Confession, daily, you know, weekly mass at the very least. Um, I wasn't quite at the daily mass thing. So I, I started really just diving in. I, our, our faith is so rich and so deep and so magic and mystical and you can't get enough. And so... I start just just diving in, and over the next six seven years, my wife is starting to to um, you know. Did you know the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul? Like it's really him. It's like we're sitting at the feet of the man himself. Like I didn't know that. Why didn't I know that? And uh, to nobody else's fault. I mean, just nobody else's fault. I just never been introduced to that person. So about seven years into our marriage, my wife, you know, they say, "Hey, RCIA is starting up in a month," and she, I look at her and she looks at me and she's like, "Yeah, I think it's time." And I'm like, "What? No way!" And she, then she asked me to be her sponsor, and usually they, they kind of frown on that. You know, you want a little bit of separation so they can. But she says, "No, I want." And I, man, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of that. You know, so I was the guy that talked all the time at RCIA. Had questions. I'm raising my hand. I'm thinking. And the whole time I'm growing in my faith and I'm moving closer to him and I'm, I'm getting deeper in my faith, the whole thing I can think is like, I could have been so much better at every step of my life. I could have been a better Marine. I could have been a better leader. I could have been a better football player. I could have been better everything, brother, son, uh, uncle. I could just be better. There's so, there's never, it, it could, there's no end to the, the goodness that comes from a relationship with Jesus. So, you know, without going into you know too much detail, it's it's just been a never-ending call to action. I would say uh, we'll just kind of fast forward. I mean, just daily mass as many times as I can go, um, confession as 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 often as I can overcome my the devil whispering in my ear and my own inhibitions, and just being open to His mercy and being filled up. Most recently, I'm, I'm realizing that this is, this is, you're entering the battle. It is a war. We are in a war. And if you've ever been in war, it doesn't stop. The mission does not stop. It is daily. It's a grind. And you need to always be ready. Always be on your guard. So you were there, Rob Curcio comes around. I offered up my addictions. Um, I've been a functioning addict since I was probably 12 years old. And I offered it to him. I told him, I want, you, I want God to kill this. I told Father Drew, I want, I want him to kill this. And I, I want it gone for good. And I don't want it coming back. And I actually meant it. Addicts will say a lot of things, but I actually meant it. And he took it and he killed it. And what I'm realizing now is that to whom much is given, much is required. So the call for somebody who's engaged in the battle, it doesn't stop it. You just give up the booze. Now you live your life for everybody else. And there are people, and Patrick said it great a few episodes ago, there are people you don't even know depending on you to be the man that you're called to be. You don't even know who they are. And 
even down to like, you know, I get to work out every morning. I'm blessed to work out every morning and, you know, just offering that up as a kind of a sacrifice. And then the blessings I'm given, like offering that up because someone's going to come along and ask what motivates you? What, what, what's the deal? What's different? And I need to be ready. I need to be in a clean state of mind, offer my, offering my body as a sacrifice, just as he offers it to us. And I need to be ready. Everybody, we need to be, we all need to be ready. The stakes are high. It's eternity. I remember seeing you at Adoration in the Christian weekend, just melting, just that that addiction melting away from you and just the, the pain melting. I, I could see it from across the room. It was, it was striking to me. I didn't understand the depth of it. Obviously, um, I wasn't walking your walk. For you to stand up in front of the entire group later and proclaim that this has happened to you and that you are coming out as, as someone who's kicking the addiction of alcohol and you've asked Jesus to kill this and that you're going to walk this walk together. It was, it was a profound moment because, you know, there's someone like myself who started this journey a year and a half ago. There are other men around us that have been on this journey for many years in terms of checking alcohol at the door because it's contributing to them not being the father and husband and leader they need to be. But the interesting thing about this is in you doing that and you being vulnerable and you being real, what you did is you gave other men permission to do the same and indirectly you told someone else to get in the truck because you didn't necessarily speak their name and tell them they had a problem, but you've been approached by at least one man, if not other men that have told you, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being real. And I have a problem too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those graces have continued to pour out. Yeah. And I didn't want to say anything. I, you never want to rob the moment and make it about you. And I, I was up there squeezing the podium and I didn't want to, it just kind of blurted out and, that was that was kind of the moment. I think number one, it makes you accountable to about fifty people, which I think a guy coming from my, you know, background, I need all the help I can get. But yeah, I've been approached by multiple people who are like, "Yeah, dude, I want to, I want to go too," and get in the truck. Then, I'm like, no more excuses. Let's go get in the truck. But everybody's walk is different, and you have to be like surrender. To me, is is a divine idea. I don't get it. I'm still not understanding it, but I'm getting better at it. You have to, you have to become small so Jesus can become big. And like that, it's not human. It's not a human thing. And so surrendering that to him and then letting him, cause he's not going to do anything. if you don't let him, you got to let him in, you got to give it up and you got to give it up on it. And that's the battle. That's where the battle lies for many, many men, especially here in America is many people is just trying to have control and you got to surrender that. I remember that night when I saw you uh, just being consumed by the Holy Spirit, I walked up to you, wrapped my arms around you, gave you a challenge coin um, because again, those are prevalent in the military and you understand that armor of God challenge coin um, and, and told you it's time to arm yourself and your family um, and put my arms around you. And I subsequently said, get in the truck when it comes to accountability. We're in an accountability group together. We meet once a week. And it's interesting to me that the last few times we've gotten together as a group, 
like every one of us has said at the end, Oh, I needed that. That's important to me. Thank you for coming. And what you said, I really relate to. And it seems like the theme that you and I are walking in terms of beating the addiction of alcohol and, and not letting it consume us. That's a lot of guys that we're walking with are, are dealing with that, whether they wanted to say it at first or not. And even in our own accountability group, even though that wasn't intentional, that, that has emerged, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, guys are, we're being told to get in the truck. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, you're, you're confronted with the hope and it's attractive. Like for me, Patrick Floria, I mean, we had a lunch right before he did this episode and he doesn't understand how much he shook my world. And I think ultimately it was God using him as a tool to shake my world, but I was vibrating and I was being confronted not only with like the end of something, but the beginning of something. And he said, the hope, the hope that's on the other side of this is when you're confronted with that, you either get in the truck or you choose your damnation. Like there's really no middle ground. And that was, that's where it was at for me. It was like, I'm either going to get in the truck or or I'm going to stand here on, on the side of the road in hell. And yeah, I remember 20 years ago when I went through my first Christ news this parish weekend and I was on a Jesus high, like no other. And I had really kind of got brought to my knees at a time I needed it more than ever saved my marriage more than likely. I thought, Oh, this is it. It can't get any better than this. But what I realized that it's kind of like your story, like your journey to the adoration chapel that night, it, it lit a fuse it wasn't the beginning. It was just the beginning. And, yeah. and then, and then your dad taking you to the rekindle the fire conference, you know, that was again, another lighting of the fuse, but it wasn't done yet. Yeah. And here you are again, you know, many years later telling Jesus, I want you to kill that on my shoulder, that addiction. But we have to know we're still not done yet. No, there's more. There's more. What is more for you? What do you I mean, that's your last name, of course, but yeah. what, 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 yeah. what, yeah. else, what, what else you have coming for you? Um, I think I have no idea. I can only say this is I, I live one. This is the truly the first time in my life. I live one day at a time and I'm, I'm trying to live in the moment. The devil pulls us into the future. He pulls us into the past. If we live in either of those spots, we're not here to receive the graces in the moment. All I can say is I want to be the best husband, the best dad that I can be for my kids. And I want everybody to know that the love that God has, I mean, he is love. He is being itself. You're not alone. You're not isolated. What's next for me is I just, I just want to put everybody on mission. If everybody was on mission, like nobody gets in the bottle when they're getting shot at. But if everybody knew they're getting shot at right now, they'd wake up early, they'd train and prepare. They would cut out anything that's not feeding the mission and, and mission, mission accomplishment. And if they also knew that the consequences are eternal, not just here, not now, every moment, every thought, everything is eternal. I think if everybody knew the love and the hope and then the consequences, we would all be lit up. I mean, we would be lit up. How, how are things at home? I mean, your kids, your wife, they're seeing some changes going on with you. Yeah, you're going to make me cry. Uh, you mentioned something when I first, in the, the words you said to me at the, at the um, Curcio weekend, I'll never forget. It said, get your house in order. 
I mean, that's if that's not getting the truck, I don't know what it is. But you came up, I don't know what made you say that. I don't know what, I don't know what made you say that. But at home, man, it's they look at me different. The eggshells are gone. I'm a, I'm present in the moment. I can appreciate them. I have more hours in my day that I'm present. Like I'm awake. My the way my wife looks at me. I don't even know if she's doing it. So if she, if she hears this, it's not, it's okay. <laughs> I get it. Don't stop doing don't, it. <laughs> don't stop. Don't, but the trust, she can trust me. And the only way I can trust me is, is just by surrendering to God. I mean, that's all he really is asking me to do is just surrender and, and be in the moment. And that's really it. So the home has, has been great. I mean, I'm not perfect. I have a lot to do, right? The mission is just beginning, but it's so much better. The The demons aren't whispering. There's, I mean, there was a real battle there. I came home from the Curcia weekend and, and something told me to just go bless all these little spots in my house of ritual, evil ritual, when where I pour my drinks or I do other things, you know, I just sprayed them down. I think I went through like a bottle and a half of holy water and was just like, you got, you old demons got to go. You got to get out now in the name of Jesus. You got to, you got to leave. And so those spots have become rituals for other things, helping my wife cook. I'm not good at it. So I I limit that, but (laughs) cleaning out in the garage, playing with my kids. It's where my wife exercises. So she, those spots are no longer, I can rest in the comfort knowing that those spots are no longer spots of evil, but of goodness. So, I cannot say enough for the richness and the beauty that God has put in my life at home. And then hopefully everywhere I go, I can just spread that love and hope. What do you say to the man or the woman listening to this that is stuck, whether it's in an addiction um, and living a, a shadow life with that, or they just don't feel like they have purpose or they're not really doing anything of value? What do you say to those people that are stuck? Number one, you're not alone you are not alone and you can't do it alone. We, there's always that doubt that you can't live without it. There's always that incredulous kind of belief. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's that belief that how am I going to go the rest of my life without it? And the reality is, is that you're living in the future and there's always doubt in the future and there's always regret in the past. So if you live right now and in this moment, get in the truck and go to somebody and tell them where you're at. Because the reality is, is that the, the truth of the matter is, is that life is better on the other side and you're, you're blinded right now and you, you don't see it and that's okay. But the, the reality is that you, you, you just need to go and be with somebody else and be present with somebody else. Just in this moment, believe that you can do without it. And there's more waiting for you on the other side. Well, you're living proof. I mean, some, your, your friend back in college, he grabbed you and told you to get in the truck. Mm-hmm. Had he not done that, obviously there would have been many opportunities for you along the way, but that was a, a turning point for you yeah. to, to get in the truck and to change the trajectory of your life. And you're calling people to do the same right now. Be active, get off your rear Go find somebody, engage. Yeah. Those are all your military terms. Yeah. Marines, you crack me up. <laughs> um, so, you know, to keep it with the military theme, what would you say, be as honest and real as possible to, to fathers, um, to husbands, 
that are just checking the box that are more more really alert or concerned with the NFL schedule than taking care of their priestly authority duties of their home. What do you say to those dudes? We just talked about, Bill and I just talked about this morning. The stakes are high. You're either drawing people to heaven or you're drawing people to hell. There is no middle road and your life is not about you. People are depending on you to get to heaven. Your sole purpose on this earth is to get to heaven and get your family to heaven and get as many other people to heaven as possible. And in this world, the odds are stacked against you unless you have the spirit of God within you. So the stakes are high and the days are wasting. So get present and get in the truck on the way to heaven and get your family in there with you and have as many people get in the back shooting off prayers and, and running the 50 cal, the rosary on the top as, as, as possible and get to heaven. Like that's the only reason we're here is to get to heaven and be loved by him who loves. I think there's some t-shirts being already formed. <laughs> get get the 50 cal rosary in the back. I love it. So Tony, listen, man, as it relates to your journey thus far, how you see the world and where you see yourself as a father and husband, are you hopeful? I'm very hopeful. Yeah. I'm very hopeful. I'm worried about the people that aren't awake yet. I'm I'm scared for them, but uh, I am I am very hopeful. He is hope. Well, listen, man, you bring me hope. I know that the mission is worth it, and we are called to holy fraternity. Like you said, we can't do it alone. You know, in you, I see someone that I can draw closer to, and you bring me closer to Jesus with your accountability, your love, your prayers. Likewise. Yeah, so I thank you for being here, being honest, real, and vulnerable, and I thank you for your witness, man, because a lot of people are going to resonate with this. Thanks, brother. Praise God. Yeah, man. Yeah. Amen. You've been listening to Belt of Truth, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement, located in Fort Wayne, South Bend Diocese in Fort Wayne, Indiana. For more information about Belt of Truth and Armor of God, visit armingmen.com. Carl Grab, what impact has the Armor of God retreat had on your life? For the Armor of God retreat that I went to, I would say that I was more of a, a check-the-box Catholic. I, I showed up to Mass, you know, go to daily Mass here and there with my kids, but it, was, it wasn't really authentic. And at the retreat, the boldness of which they talked of things, the clarity to which we spoke about our faith and the history of the faith, and the reason that today, more than ever, that men have to start living their faith authentically, it really changed how I practiced my faith. It's much more intentional for me now, and my relationship with the Lord has just really deepened, which then has caused a change in my relationship with my wife and my kids, and has really lit me on fire to serve the Lord more. It's a pretty powerful thing. Go to armingmen.com, go to events, and register for the upcoming event. Do it. You'll be so glad you did. God bless.